Bad leaders are everyone's worst nightmare, giving you the ultimate playbook to lead, inspire, and grow your team. Better tech leadership powered by BrainHub. I'm, I'm really happy to be here uh, today with you. You're pretty long in the, in the tech industry, as my, I must say so. And I would like to talk with you a lot about DevOps because I think you are the DevOps guy <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> here. And I wanted to start my, in this, this interview with the first questions. What are the biggest uh, mistakes that you see around the DevOps side on a, on the client side? So uh, the biggest mistake uh, that I see on, on the client side is that you try to do a little bit of DevOps. So that you want to introduce that DevOps thingy. And that's something I see. Uh, what, what, you, what you can see is that clients then tend to go and say, okay, uh, let's, let's build a DevOps silo organization. But when you look at what we are trying to solve is usually we're trying to get a value stream going. So really the flow of value through the organization. And we don't want to have, uh, let's say, these walls of confusion between the silos. So by introducing just another DevOps unit, you are introducing just another silo in the end between Dev and Ops again, which um, can be a first starting point if you want to experiment uh, with uh, DevOps. But usually you need, you need to get rid of that. Uh, so... That's usually uh, one of uh, the big problems that I see that uh, the, the management says, I also want to, to do a little bit of that DevOps thingy. And how about if you are starting work with a new client or you are in talks with a client? I mean, what problems are you solving for them with DevOps? What problems do they have and how you can help to solve uh, them? Usually when, when you look at the CIO or the CEO of, of a company, what, what kind of problems do they have? So first of all, the, the problem is they need to have a faster time to market um, for their products. It doesn't depend what kind of product it is, being uh, cyber-physical systems or electronic mechanics and software together or only a, a software pro pro uh, product. They need to have really that, that faster time to market. They need to improve the quality of their product and they need to do more with less money. <laughs> and um, they need to have higher customer satisfaction. So when you look at these four points, you already can see that you need to change uh, something fundamentally how you develop digital products. And here, DevOps can massively help because DevOps is that mindset, the culture, and the set of technical practices which allow you to increase the flow of value through the customer by um, continuously delivering a value to the customer and bringing or building in the quality directly from the beginning. So that's um, uh, the problem which we are solving with DevOps. Okay. And I assume it might be challenging to introduce it for like established businesses, which are pretty long on the market. They do things uh, in the way they do and they think it's okay. Uh, how to convince those stakeholders? I mean, many uh, tech leaders uh, have the problems to convince, like, why do we need to change? Uh, like how, like, why do we need to disrupt, to disrupt it? 
Yeah, and uh, here we we are in a, in a problem space uh, that I usually see. Uh, we had it already in the beginning. Uh, we want to introduce a little bit of that DevOps, but we don't want to really change things. That that's usually also something that I see. As I distinguish between two two things, uh, one one area um, or one uh, one type of company they really struggle heavily. So they. Um, are short before going bankrupt, or they are really with with the back on the on the wall. So they have a burning platform. They really need to move. So there, it's quite simple <laughs> to change things. Um, this is uh, this is usually a type of company where where you can introduce DevOps, the, the new way of, of working, and you also can introduce fast changes because. Management is heavily aware of now. Really, we need to turn the ship around, or, or, or there will be no ship anymore. So, the, I think the, this one is is not so interesting. The other one are more interesting, where let's say someone from a senior management or even the CEO says uh, we need to change things, but we don't yet have that burning platform. And again, here we have two types of company. Uh, one type of company is where senior management really sees, hey, uh, in in five to ten years we will have a massive problem because our industry or our product will be disrupted by uh, startups or by anything else, AI, uh, you, you name it. Um, and they really have that sense of urgency and they want to invest into that. Uh, and I think we need to talk about these. And then there is the the other uh, company uh, where, let's say, there is sort of a sense of urgency, but they don't really want to change. And for me, it's it's always uh, quite important to understand of what kind of company we are are we talking about, because the approach is a, is a little bit different um, in in that case where. Senior management only wants a little bit of change. Yeah, you can do that, but you do that at a slower pace. You really go slow step by step through the the processes and you change it step by step. The other part where you have the senior management wants to have that change, you need to utilize this and you really need to work heavily with the senior management and because um, you have the senior management support, you also get a person who supports that and you are then doing the strategy and also the alignment with that, uh, with that person and then you go into the change with that. Okay, that makes sense. And you mentioned the AI. Um, I wanted to ask you about your opinion about the chat GPT and the similar models. Do you think in the upcoming years this will disrupt the way or maybe... Uh, solve the problem of talent shortage within the developers. What is your opinion here? Oh, it's it's quite interest, interesting. Uh, I read uh, quite 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 a lot on what I uh, can see is um, with uh, the, this whole AI. I think um, some of the problems which we are having will, will just go away. Um, so we we don't need to solve a, a certain amount of uh, problems anymore. I, I don't know which one it be, um, but I think some work will, will just disappear. What I believe is that we will have new types of work coming up. Um, so um, 
I don't think that prompt engineer will be the next big thing. I think it's it's more maintaining these these AIs or these digital assistants. This this will be uh, a new group of of jobs which will come up. And what what I also see, I, I mean, uh, when I look at uh, especially when when we are building complex pipelines or complex products. I'm not sure that an AI at the moment can really handle these these complex type of products uh, which you are building. They can build parts of it, but especially when it comes to to requirements engineering, um, asking the right questions, um, engaging with, uh, with 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 the customer or, or uh, with the with the clients. It, I think this is this is still a, a problem. Um, but AI can help us here and uh, will, uh, of course, also hel- help us here to, to get the right uh, requirements and asking the, the right questions. But the doing, uh, I think, is, is still on our side and then also making, making sense out of it. So I think it, it, there will be a disruption, um, but I don't think it will be massively and uh, it will help us with the talent shortage. Uh, I think this is something we will will still have. Okay, and your experience here at Zulka, you are 21, 22 years here. So you started as an engineer and uh, you grow to the role when you are more uh, in contact with clients, uh, creating uh, offer for clients on a DevOps site. So I'm wondering, how your perception on working with clients change over time. So when you started 20 years ago, when you were an engineer, probably you've seen it a bit different than you see it today. So are there any concepts uh, that, you know? I mean, it, it's quite funny that, that you are asking that. Because when, when you look 20, 21 years back, uh, so in the year 2002, uh, sort of, when I, when I look at the projects which we have, have done, then we have done amazing projects. Uh, I, I worked on on a on a power plant um, um, mapping tool, um, which we were implementing with C C plus plus. It was amazing. But the cool thing was, um, we were a, a team uh, of engineers um, doing everything from requirements engineering over development over over operation of the software testing it uh, releasing it and also working very very closely with uh, the client and then um, things have changed uh, uh, during the time the the, the projects were get, uh, getting bigger and um, what what I could see is that um, a new silos were introduced like uh, you have the requirements engineering silos sort of the development and uh, and suddenly you were only focusing on development and no you don't do the testing you are just doing the the, the development and what 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 happened is the development task uh, went into a direction where you just were, was developing features or you were in a feature factory um but it was it was absolutely not good and at the moment we are reverting that completely with with the DevOps approach. We are going again back to to cross functional teams, um, where the team is really responsible about the the whole product. So for me, this was a sort of of a journey, and now we are uh, sort of back at the starting point. Only the only thing that I see is that the complexity is is now quite quite big and um this is uh, something which which i see is quite challenging because 
when I look at, again back in, in the year two, 2002, the only thing um, I needed to do is, is doing C++ programming. Of course, this was a, a challenge and we didn't have a Stack Overflow or a code pilot or anything like that. We had books, <laughs> which you need to read. <laughs> exactly. And we talked with each other. And um, so we were also uh, struggling there, but on a, on, on a, on a different scale. It, we had Windows machines, uh, this was our focus, uh, and we had a small deployments, so the complexity was, uh, was lower. Nowadays, uh, when you are developing a software, you need to, to, to learn more things, uh, like you, you, potentially you need to learn multiple uh, programming languages. Of course, they are sort of easier to, to handle than uh, C++. Uh, but still, you need you need to understand them. Then you you have the the CI/CD pipeline, a whole eco, uh, ecosystem of of tools uh, which allow you to to continuously build uh, your software. You need to understand security. You need to understand the architecture, and then the the whole thing about deploying it into a Kubernetes cluster is again a, a whole new universe where you are going to operate the software. So the cognitive load. Uh, on on the on single person or on the, on the whole team is higher because uh, of of the technology. I think like this year for many companies is about doing uh, more for less. <laughs> so we enter the recession phase and a lot of companies aligning themselves around uh, optimization uh, around the profitability. And I'm thinking like what you would advise other tech leaders what they could do. Uh, in their uh, companies to save on the cost or to improve the performance on a tech site. Mm. So one of the biggest issues uh, that I see, uh, and I see that also at Zirke when I look at internal initiatives which we're doing, um, we're doing too much. Uh, you have so many uh, possibilities and the problem is always uh, prioritizing. Uh, prioritizing things is, is really a, a difficult thing. So also, I have difficulties <laughs> with prioritizing uh, the, the things. But uh, especially at companies, it's, it's, it's really a, diffi a difficult thing. So uh, now again, out of uh, perspective of, of, of DevOps, I usually say you need to build the right things right. Now, the right things right, uh, so building it the, uh, right, is more, let's say, the pipeline, the software engineering, um, how you automate things, how you build in quality. But I think uh, that's that's already something that we mastered quite quite good. We have a good tooling, good technology. I think we know how to do it. But building the right thing um, is, in my, in my opinion, also something that is in the DevOps area, but goes more on the business side. So deciding uh, what to build uh, and also defining the the MVP out of it and here uh, there is there is also great tooling uh, out there uh, one of the toolings is uh, you introduce a lean portfolio management which is nothing else than a kanban bot so you're giving transparency on what you are already building and what is sort of in the pipeline i think having an overview on uh, what is upcoming and uh, what do you want to do is already a great start point. 
the other thing is when you are, want to build something or you have a new idea, then behind an idea, there is always a hypothesis. You have a hypothesis that uh, building that will enable us to bring that. So extracting out of an idea the hypothesis statement uh, and also saying, okay, this is the hypothesis is, is, is a great thing. And then thinking about what are the leading indicators which will show us that this hypothesis is true is very, very good. And with that, you can then define the MVP, which you can then build. And when you look at that, then suddenly every idea that you have, you are going to break out the hypothesis behind this idea. You are going to, sh to look at what are the leading indicators which show me that this hypothesis is true. And then you define an MVP to approve these leading indicators and that this uh, hypothesis is true which means now you're building lean um, experiments where you validate very fast uh, the hypothesis behind uh, every idea, which leads to faster decision-making and not building stuff that nobody needs. And this is the building the right thing right. And uh, this is uh, something uh, which comes, from, uh, by the way, from Eric Ries uh, from the Lean Start, it's the Lean Startup cycle that I just described. But implementing that is is really essential, and it's not only for startup. In my opinion, it's also something you need to implement in mature companies. Yeah, I, I think what you said. I talked with one uh, leader yesterday uh, who is uh, head of engineering at a company of I think like couple thousand people um, and he mentioned the saying uh, the way to experiment and to build stuff uh, in a more MVP way and especially in established corporation uh, corporations it's really challenging because sometimes people want to make everything bulletproof right and if you make the experiment you cannot approach it this way because it doesn't make sense it's not an experiment anymore Exactly. Uh, and uh, we at Tilke, we also have that uh, challenge. Um, and I think there are two types of, let's say, projects or initiatives. I think there is this initiative where you just have a, a, an idea and you want to prove it sort of on the market if, if it's really worth it. And then, of course, there is, let's say, you are introducing SAP uh, in a company. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, that's not the hypothesis. <laughs> this is a project. And yeah, uh, in that case, you will just do that project. There is no hypothesis behind that project, but you still can uh, slice it into smaller parts and then just uh, do that. But I think uh, we need to distinguish between these two <laughs> things. My, my guest uh, uh, mentioned yesterday one more, one more uh, environment where you cannot do so many MVPs. He said about the airport. So you cannot play with the plane so much, right? Um, yeah, and, and also medical, list. medical the same. <laughs> and how do you stay with uh, current market trends? What? How do you educate yourself? How do you find the ideas? Uh, you know, to to create something new for the client, to create the innovation or disruption. Yeah, uh, there are different ways. Um, and at Tulke, um, we have our employee day uh, every month. Um, where we have different sessions. Um, we are quite a big company now and you have uh, different uh, tracks from the different practices which we, which, we are, which we are having. 
and there you can sit in and and you also get a glimpse on on new trends uh, and new things uh, that that are coming up so that's uh, one important thing that i'm doing then uh, of course i, I read uh, a lot uh, i read a lot of books uh, news um um which, which i'm reading i also uh, watching a lot of video but I think what for me helped me quite a lot is uh, we at Zilke, we have the O'Reilly uh, license um, and uh, the O'Reilly platform is is really a cool platform uh, and you get a lot of insights uh, there. That's uh, one thing where I get, let's say, most of the knowledge out of it um, from the books and the videos from this platform. And the, on the other side, um, we also have a, a Gartner account. Uh, and from there, uh, I get the strategic insights uh, from, from Gartner, which is, in my opinion, very, very valuable. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, what is your decision-making process uh, around new tools, around new frameworks, new approaches uh, in your area? Because, like, there are so many things. For example, let's say in JavaScript, you have each library and framework each day. <laughs> so you need to at some point decide like uh, and influence the team because you have big team and you influence them what and how you approach uh, problems for clients and what is your decision making when you decide like hey now we use the chat gpt everybody use it or you know with the new trends usually what 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 i'm doing um when i'm a project or, or outside of a project we I always introduce an architectural decision record, and um, with the architectural decision record in in a project, I always state um, what is the problem uh, I'm trying to solve, and a sort of what is uh, what is the trade-off analysis uh, of it, and then the, I document the decision. So when it comes to deciding whatever we want to to go uh, with, with a new framework. I usually uh, go with the team and, and make a trade-off analysis where I see, uh, first of all, I ask the question, what kind of problem are we are we trying to solve? Do we really have that problem? Because that's all, always a good question to ask. <laughs> and then uh, I usually say, okay, what, what are the categories uh, which which we have uh, where, we, uh, where we say, okay, um, uh, where we do the, the trade-off analysis and what kind of tools uh, do we have? And then we we just make a trade-off analysis uh, out of it, uh, and you the, the cool thing is you can do that uh, very easily and very fast on 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 a, on a whiteboard. But it helps you visualize uh, the the trade-offs, your options, uh, sort of, and also the categories uh, where, where you are going through. And um, it also helps the team in in the discussion, um, whatever they want to to go. And usually, what what you see is. I mean, there is no silver bullet. It's you always have trade-offs when you are going with uh, framework A or with framework B or with tool A or with tool B. There are always trade-offs. But naming these trade-offs and saying, hey, at the point of the decision, we were aware of these trade-offs and we accepted them because we think um, we have these and these points which are more valuable and that these are the, the strong parts of it. I think this is a very good thing. Um, and then you can make, based on, let's say, facts, uh, the decision. 
Okay, let's talk now more about the teams and people. I'm wondering what kind of skills or qualities are you looking for in new employees or the leaders that you are hiring? Do you have your approach, like what is really important for, for you? Uh, so uh, when, when we are hiring, you can, the, the, uh, our hiring proce process is, is always uh, in that way. Um, we have uh, we have a recruiting department uh, which uh, scans uh, through through the CVs. There we have some rules um, defined and what we are looking for also in terms of job profiles. And then um, in the next step, uh, we are going to uh, when when they have filtered the CVs, we are going through through the CVs. And then when we have identified a potential candidate, now we always do a, a so-called cultural assessment. This is a one-hour one meeting where we just have a look if uh, the, the person's culture fits into our culture and also our culture fits to, to the person. It's really a, 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 an open discussion uh, where we are uh, having and um, where we just look... Um, do um do we like e e each other and i think this is in my opinion one of the most important things uh it, it sounds a little bit stupid but culture wise uh, this this is really uh, an important thing and this is also why i'm still at circa since 21 years uh, I, I really really like the culture and the people and it's so important uh, with whom you are working um, because you're working quite a long, long day, so eight hours uh, a day with these, these, these persons. So that's an important part. Then, when when we have done that, then there is the second part, uh, which is then the technical assessment, and this is uh, then over three hours uh, where we really go in into technology. And I mean, there it it really depends on, on the role, but it's uh, it's quite obvious you need to have a good technical background and you need to explain uh, certain things in in, in your area. Um, um, and if that's uh, really a fit, so the cultural part uh, and the technology part, then um, then we decide uh, to to hire that person. And how about team setup? I mean, hybrid, remote, in-house. Uh outsource do you have any opinion i mean like pro opinion or you say like no always no about uh, one of those setups i have a very strong opinion uh, about that so uh, when you look at uh, the value flow and also reducing uh, barriers uh, and also when you, when you look at uh, at science it's quite obvious a team which is in one location and uh, works strongly together physically in one location is sort of the best performing team point. Uh, it, is, it is very, very obvious uh, and uh, also science shows that. Um, so I always go into this direction. I always say, hey, look, uh, let's have a team uh, and also language-wise uh, and culture-wise, they need to have the, the, the same culture. They also need to, to speak the same, uh, same language. So also when, when you have a sort of a German-speaking team, and you want to introduce an English-speaking person, it is usually not the best idea uh, to do that because it will slow the team down. So again, um, when you look just at the performance, then uh, really one language, uh, one location, and everybody um, at that location. 
Of course, this is this is not always uh, possible, uh, and then you make trade-offs. <laughs> it's again all about trade-offs, and uh, you you can do these trade-offs, but you need to be aware that you are slowing down uh, the team. Um, what there are certain setups which I absolutely don't uh, don't recommend. For example, you have uh, one team uh, at one place uh, and a, a second person completely remote, and you need to do everything hybrid. These are, my, in my opinion, so-called bullshit setups, <laughs> which you absolutely sh sh shouldn't do. Of course, it can happen that that you get in, in such a situation, but you sh should not go into that situation. So um, to make it short, um, really in one location would be my absolute uh, favor. Um, the other thing, what you also can do if the whole team is completely distributed, yeah, then go completely distributed, but then you have a distributed setup, but with all of the trade-offs. And how about within those distributed teams, when you go this direction, uh, what are the key factors to have the best performance out such a distributed uh, teams? How to keep them efficient, let's say? So... Um, uh, what I usually do is uh, when we have uh, such a distributed setup, then every three months uh, we we want to meet uh, at uh, a certain location uh, somewhere where where we can uh, sort of do the team bonding. Uh, and I think every three months is is a very good uh, schedule to 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 again bond the team at at a certain location where everybody meets at uh, in in one week and works all. together. Uh, I, that would be my recommendation because you need to have sort of these uh, team uh, bond bonding phases. Um, when it um, when it comes then to the let's say the, the normal working, um, I usually recommend to have sort of a, a daily stand up, which is uh, on time, but not the bullshit uh, daily stand up, a real daily stand up where where you. Uh, or really uh, also listening to the people uh, and trying to help uh, each other. It's not that status uh, meeting. It's really about understanding what are the challenges uh, of, of, of the other members and how can we help each other so that we, we can really uh, progress. I think these, these are the important things. So having sort of um, implemented some ceremonies um, which helps uh, the team to get sort of a structure uh, in, in the day, um, plus uh, that every three months uh, coming together and, and having uh, that, um, um, that get-together. I think these uh, are the two most important things that, that I would recommend in, in, a, dis in a fully distributed uh, setup. Okay, and I'm wondering, have you experienced talent shortage in recent years, and especially here in Switzerland? Because I'm not quite sure. <laughs> And my question, my second question is, if yes, how you deal with it? Yeah, uh, we, we have a talent uh, shortage uh, massively. Um, how we deal with it uh, is on one, on one side, um, we are doing um, education um, on, um, yeah, or we, we are offering an apprenticeship um, for really the the the, the young youngest uh, people, so uh, we are really trying to 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 bring uh, the software engineering really to to 
to to very young people so that we can build them up already in a very very early stage and i think as a company um this this is also something you need to to give back to the society you need to enable uh, the the people um what we are also doing is uh, we are doing lectures uh, at the universities um to uh, to already educate uh, the people in in a in a right uh, direction we also do uh, do uh, for example the devops uh, meetup uh, Zurich, where we enable also the the, the community um it, it's it's all about uh, enabling uh, sort of the community making the people uh, aware um that uh, software engineering is 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 a cool thing um but of course, the, these are sort of lo- uh, things that take quite a, a long time, uh, and we are still uh, working on that. On a on a short term, um, what what we are doing is um, we are going, of course, to the market and say, "Hey, look, we are a very cool company." You also see uh, we are working in a, in a quite nice uh, office. Uh, we have a good culture. We have uh, good good people. We have a- education uh, at at Zürke. Um, and this is sort of how we deal with uh, the, the the shortage. We really um, make it pleasant for the people to to work at Zölke. We also offer them uh, part time work uh, and so on. So it's it's really about uh, understanding what the people want from from a company and and then giving them the possibility uh, to, to to strive. Uh, but of course, uh, when it comes to recruiting uh, new people, it, it's it's also for us it's it's very hard uh, to 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 hire new new people. But um, it, it it works. Um, we we don't have the growth rate we would like to have, uh, but I think we, we're doing quite good. Oh, that's great. I think the academy it's a great solution uh, for a young. Uh people so you can shape them with the culture and all that all that stuff so um yeah and i wanted to ask you about your most important lessons as a tech leader maybe are some you have some lessons you say like hey 10 years ago i thought about it in this way and today i have completely different opinion on i don't know training people hiring people uh building some stuff some some lessons learned that you could share I think uh, one of the the, the most uh, imp- important lessons that that I learned is that you should always strive for a simple solution, but not simpler. I know that that, that quote comes comes from uh, Einstein, but I think it's very uh, it's a very good quote and. Um, in the in the past, uh, I also did, did quite a, a lot of architecture or software engineering, where I built quite a complex system. And what what I then saw is that I was able to understand it, but my team members struggled to to understand such a, a complex uh, system. So. Um, what I've learned is, uh, and this goes from software engineering to also organizations, uh, or even if if you document the thing, you always need to to bring it down to very simple things. But of course, not too simple, but in a way so that everybody in your team really can understand it. And I think this is the the magic which which you need to do. Uh, usually. 
we as uh, as as tech leader we, we are overthinking things making things more complicated because we want to to solve all of of the problems um and in my opinion you should always strive for the 80 20 solution and make it really as simple as possible but not simple that's a good point and i have the last question uh, for you any books uh, blog posts resources podcasts that helped you shape yourself as a as a leader i mean like help you as a as a tech leader yeah um so uh, for me the, the the book accelerate um, uh, um was was really an eye-opening book because it looked uh, at, at the whole software engineering uh, process uh, in a scientific way uh, and that was uh, for me uh, quite an eye-opening book because i, I suddenly understood um the science uh, behind uh, software engineering. Of course, there, there are other uh, books out there which, which are also amazing. Uh, one the which I would like to mention is uh, Getting Things Done because that book really helped me, um, let's say, with uh, prioritizing stuff uh, and also dealing um, with, uh, with the high amount of, of input or emails and, and tasks you are getting and really uh, getting al along with that. So that uh, was quite uh, an influential book. And uh, then there was also a book on note-taking, but I don't know, uh, the, the, I think it's professional note-taking. And this also had quite an impact on me because it, it showed me how I, I not take meeting notes, really uh, take notes when you are learning things and how you uh, build up uh, the so-called Zettelkasten system. I think it's also in, in English <laughs> that you are, are, are using that word. Really build, building, building that up. Uh, that helped me quite a lot uh, also um, me remembering all of the stuff uh, that you need to remember. Great. Thank you, Romano. Thank you for uh, really insightful answers to, to my question. Yeah, and, and thank you for finding time for this interview. Thank you also. It was awesome. Follow Matt on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Better Tech Leadership newsletter.